Am I going to get through this? I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know if I'd make it through this. I don't know if I could walk in. The doctors told my parents I wouldn't be able to speak. They told my parents that he's not a speaker anymore. His vocals are fried from the tracheotomy. He's the buggered. I'm speaking. Wasn't able to walk for a few months. Like, I'm walking now. Bit of a weird gait, bit of a march sometimes, but like, I'm walking, man. I got double vision still from the brain injury. Like, I, I can see two of you, Nick. What a, pl- what a blessing that is, man. It's difficult. It's arduous, but like, it is what it is, man. Go forwards. I'm going forwards every day. Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Today on the show, I've got Dan McQueen. Dan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Very well. Thanks, Nick, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate being on, man. Hey, why don't you tell us what do you do for a living and uh, what's one thing that most people don't know about you that's maybe a little odd or bizarre? So I'm a professional speaker based in Vancouver, BC. One thing people don't know about me is that, oh, I was going to say I'm a survivor of traumatic brain injury, but I think everyone knows that about me now. I used to live in London for the past 10 years, so I'm recently back from London after 10 years abroad. Wow. What brought you to London? Um, I did a master's in Sweden, figured I'd continue the European adventure. Nice. London was an area where English was not going to be an issue, language was not going to be an issue, so I moved there. And, you know, this happened in London, so it kind of prolonged my stay longer than it would have, but... London's a great city. I really enjoy it. It's got a lot of vibrancy, a lot of culture, a lot of food. The food there is incredible. Hmm. It's a great city to live. It's just a, a bit of an adjustment, but um, yeah, lots of love for London. So you were in Sweden for a bit. Uh, was that just a couple of years? Was that a few months or what? Uh, one year I did a master's there in Sweden, uh, Malmo, very south of Malmo. Wow. And then to be able to pick London to go to, was that uh, something? Did you have any friends there, or were you just like, I'm just going to show the hell up, and find a place, find a flat, and I'll be good? Yeah, no, I had a friend who I stayed with for the first three, four months in London, Heidi Klassen, shout out. I <laughs> lived on her floor for four months on a mattress. She was very accommodating. <laughs> I was this degenerate, homeless, workless guy who was living on her floor. Her mom was like, Is that guy still on your floor? She's like, Yeah, he's right here. And she turned, turned the computer around, like, Hi. Hi, Heidi's mom. <laughs> But I'm, I'm, I was in, able to make a go of London because of her generosity, and that allowed me to get my job there at Hootsuite, and then I managed to get a flat with a buddy. Nice. Four yeah. beers later, I managed to get an interview the next week, and that was kind of my adventure in London beginning that way. So it was a bit of a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants adventure. That's pretty cool. So how did, you, uh, how did you enjoy working at Hootsuite, and what did you do there? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I started off in support, which is not my favorite because I'm not the most technically gifted guy. And the questions you get, be like, oh my goodness, I need to to stall this until the real tech support comes online in Vancouver. Yeah, I need help. <laughs> but then I moved on to implementation, which was really my vibe. It was great because you were like, honeymoon period of the clients, like they, they sign up for Hootsuite. They get, if they pay for services, they get something like myself. I set up the account for you. I train you on the account. Traditionally, it'd be like four sessions or so kickoff call, an admin call, an end user call, and an analyst call. And you have that for maybe 12 to 15 clients, 12, maybe 15 to 17 clients at times at various stages of the process. And you push them through the process to try and get high adoption. Adoption was like people using the platform on a monthly basis. It was a great job. Worked for EMEA, so Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Widespread of clientele from the south of Italy to like um, uh, South Africa to Saudi Arabia. Like you got a way different variety of working styles and vibes. I learned a lot, made lots of mistakes, made lots of 
happy customers, but also made lots of mistakes as well. But it was a, a great job. Hootsie was great to me when this happened. Like this injury happened in London when I was working for Hootsie. They were phenomenal okay. for me and I got lots of gratitude for them. So let's jump kind of right into that then. Tell us about the day that it happened. And why don't you start off for the, for the audience that doesn't know what, what had happened. Like give us the baby in the bathwater sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. So I had brain hemorrhage in 2014. What had been happening was I was having these headaches that were getting really bad over the course of a few weeks. And I was taking painkillers like candy for them. I went to A&E twice, which is accident and emergency in the UK. They thought it was vertigo and they sent me home. But on the second visit, um, on the way out, they told me if the headaches were to continue, I could get my eyes checked in an optometrist to like see what was going on. I went to the optometrist the next day because the headaches were pounding and the medication was doing nothing. The optometrist, Mr. Patel, stopped the exam midway through the exam and left the room. He came back a few minutes later with a sealed envelope and he told me, you need to go directly to Moorfields Hospital. So which I did. No, I didn't do that at all. I went home first to grab a Jack Reacher book by Lee Child. I grabbed a bite to eat and I grabbed some, some a phone charger. Managed to get my way to Moorfields Hospital. They ran the same test that escalated me to Charing Cross Hospital. It turns out, Nick, that I had a dangerous buildup of pressure in my brain caused from a non-cancerous system at. It turns out I required emergency brain surgery tomorrow. Turns out my world was about to change altogether. So after a frantic back and forth with folks in Canada, my mom was coming to London the next day. I was on the operating table. She was flying to London. On the operating table, I had a brain hemorrhage, a massive bleed in the brain. They think the cyst burst when they operated. She lands and finds I'm in critical condition. I was in a coma for four weeks, but was in and out of consciousness for months after this. Things were dicey, touch and go. When all was said and done, I was learning how to walk, talk, and smile again in London. Uh, that was 2014, so that was a few years back. That's kind of what kicked everything off there, Nick. That must have been crazy for, let's just talk about your mom for a second, for her to get onto a plane, not have any idea what's going on. She's just up in the air. And when she lands, her baby's basically on his deathbed. And for you to not know exactly what's going on, because you're under at that point, um, you'd mentioned that it, it burst. Was that any malpractice? Was there anything that the doctors had done or was it just kind of the timing of it? You know what? Like it's... I went to A&E twice. They misdiagnosed it as like what it was. They didn't know it was like what severe, how severe it was. It was not a mis malpractice. It was just, they just missed it. Hmm. No blame, no, no blame, anything like that. They saved my life on a number of occasions. The doctors were phenomenal in London. The doctors were phenomenal in London. I got nothing but love for the doctors in London. This was a card in my hand and it happened to come up. And it went sideways on me. And that's as simple as that. Hmm. So when you woke up and kind of take us through what the next couple of weeks, couple of months even looked like for you to be able to understand what happened, become aware of it, and then start to put the pieces together. Can you give us some detail of that? Yeah, for sure. So I woke up from the, I was in an unconscious for months after the coma, right? So like I woke up, my mom, dad, and brother around the table, around the bed, I'm trying to speak, but I can't talk because I had a tracheotomy removed and I couldn't t it took me a few months to get my voice box back. So I pointed to my brother, I go, you, give me a pen and paper. I wrote down, get me out of here. And I showed it to him. 
Yeah, man, make it happen. I'm hooked up to like 13 tubes and hoses. My one eye is wonky as hell. Like, dude, you're not going anywhere. Like, my initial reaction was like, this looks expensive. Yeah. I was a Canadian. I was a, I was a European living in, in London, so I was entitled to medical coverage, which was all good. I was only up and up, but like, I was like, this looks bad. I was told after, you know, you know, Dan, you had a brain hemorrhage, you're in a coma, you can't use your left leg. I couldn't speak for a few weeks, right? So like it was, it was all frustrating because I'm trying to communicate, but I can't. And I'm being told like, look, the life as you knew it before is now gone. Hmm. This is your current situation. You are bedridden. You know, I, I, my attention span was, you know, I got a few minutes here, a few minutes there. But it quickly became apparent to me how much the mental aspect was going to play into this. Like, it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. It's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. Now, that took probably about a month for me to get my terms with it, to get my, come to terms with what happened, right? The brain hemorrhage flattened me like it flattened me I was I was healthy vibrant guy I played a lot of sports big nights out I was quite social to get that taken away in an instant like and then you're bedridden I, you know to get into the wheelchair took 45 minutes then 40 then 35 then 30 like it was arduous difficult it was not easy at all and I slowly rationalized like after about a month of being sore for myself like look feeling sorry for yourself is not an adequate way to get through this situation. You can feel sorry for yourself all you want, but that's not going to get you forwards. Acceptance, as tough as this is to hear, I'm going to tell it to you straight. Acceptance is the best thing you can do to move yourself forwards. Mm-hmm. The faster you can accept something, the faster you can move forward and deal with it. It's not fair that it happened. You're right. It's not fair. You have to follow up the next question, which is what and what? What do you expect to have happened because of that? Well, it's not fair. It shouldn't have happened to me. Okay. And what? Yeah. Eventually you tire out of the end what's. Okay. Wishing something didn't happen is not going to get me forward. The way you get forward is you accept what happened, you take stock of where you're at, and you make steps to progressively move forwards. This is not easy to do, Nick. By any stretch. I'm not making this seem like it's easy, but it's simple. Yeah. Do you want a good life or a bad life? Make that choice. You want a good life? Okay, well then you got to get up and try to get in the wheelchair faster. When a bad life will then sit down and feel sorry for yourself because no one's coming to save you. <laughs> You've got to get yourself through this this narrow little needle pole here. It's it's a difficult way to kind of approach life, but like it is it is the way. And I speak now for organizations and associations, and and I try to tell them like, look, that through line it's not what happens to you, but how you react to the matters is the game, is the actual game. The mindset is so pure for this. Because if you think, woe is me, woe is me, you're not wrong. It's not fair that it happened to you, but that's not going to get you forwards. Yeah. It keeps you spiraling and spinning your tires. Bit of yeah. a ride there for you, Nick. Yeah, it's interesting because it, when you think about how often people create stories of this shouldn't be this way or things should be this way, I realize that life is just going to be the way that it is. And when you, like you said, accept that, you can actually do something with it. It's a matter of you actually understanding and getting to the point where you go, okay, got it from here, I can move. Because if you don't have that, you're just stuck in that circle and that loop, that's just continuing like the woe is me or the this is all terrible, it shouldn't be this way. And that's not it's not reality. It's not like, you're not wrong to think it's not fair, because it's not fair. But like, no one's coming to save you, man. Like no one's coming to walk down the hallway. Oh, oh, Dan, I see a line here. Let me let me help you walk through the hallway here. It's like, 
you've got to do that yourself and you got to make that choice in your mind like am I going to go forward or am I going to stay here and swallow myself pity like yeah. I refuse to go down the pity spiral the woes me pity spiral because that's a dangerous spiral man I don't think I can recover from that tailspin going down mm. down 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 the draino like it's just like you're finished so every day I wake up I'm better than yesterday I'm trying to be better than yesterday I'm trying to like be intentional with my vibe my my way I present myself the way I show up for work and, and, and everything like this I'm intentionally going after what I want and it's not easy for people to hear like look you got to accept it but like that's how you get through this stuff I don't know what to tell you like like I had a step so the initial hemorrhage to have, it took me about a month to get myself in this mental state where I could navigate this right I had a setback um, after a year working through rehab. Um, I'm jumping ahead of your bit, Nick. Apologies if you want to go to this a bit later. You're good. Um, after a year working through rehab, learning how to walk, talk, and smile again, doing vocational therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, eventually I made it back to work. Two half days, I'm the heroic here. I'm like looking at emails, being social, being back at the office. I'm like, this is, this is awesome. This is fucking great. And then I had a bit of a setback. And by setback, Nick, I mean I was found unconscious in my flap by my mom. The shunt that's in my brain from the first brain injury had blocked leading to hydrocephalus or water on the brain. It required emergency brain surgery. I was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. I woke up in that hospital bed here and the beeping noise, the heart rate monitor going off like beep, beep. What happened? What happened? What happened? Well, Dan, you had a second brain surgery. We got the blockage, but you're back in the hospital. You had to have emergency brain surgery. Like, so everything I've been working for for a year was taken away from me. Like the carpet was ripped underneath my legs. I talk about recovery, Nick, like a, like a W. So the first setback is the first tip of the W. Recovery is maybe back up halfway. The second setback is not where the first one was, but much lower. I call this the depths of the human experience. Where your dreams and hopes are snickered at. Where you're like, everything you thought you'd been working for was taken away from you. You thought you had a chance there, bud. Ha 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 ha. I'd already done rehab, so I wasn't able to go back to rehab in person. My mom fought tooth and nail to get me rehab, like, um, remote rehab, which helped a lot. Mm. But this was so much lower than the first setback because the first setback was a joke compared to this. I had all that help. The second setback was like, okay, you're out of the system. You've done this. You recovered. It's like, well, yeah, but I had a second brain surgery. Yeah. And that took me about a week to get to come to terms with that, like to, to be settled up with that and be like, okay, damn, this is not fair. This happened, but like, guess what? It's not. No, no one cares. If it's fair. Like, this is your lot. This is your card. You got to play this hand. And that took everything to get through that. Like, that was the deepest and darkest time for my family, because everything you've been working for for a year was ripped from underneath you, and you thought you were making progress and making gains and back at work, and everyone's like, oh, damn, good to see you back at work, and like. No, bud, like you're back at square one. Like you're, except it's a year later on and you should be making progress and get taken away from you. So that's like, that's the real shit, man. Like that, that's the stuff that's like, you find out where your gumption really is at. Mm-hmm. I lost my job this past summer, Nick. I worked at Hootsuite for, till last summer. They had a round of downsizing last summer. I was on the wrong side of a spreadsheet. I got let go from a job that I worked at for nine and a half years, a job that I loved. I got nothing but love for Hootsuite. That job loss, you know, it, it was a bit of a shot, right? Nine and a half years of this company. I gave myself an afternoon. I had some margaritas. 
I decided then and there, Dan, you are a speaker starting tomorrow, which means you need a computer today. I didn't get over this in a week, in, in an afternoon, but I made the choice in an afternoon to make get a new computer. The faster you can get to acceptance, the first setback, the second setback, the job loss, the faster you can take off in the other direction. That afternoon, I'm a speaker tomorrow. I bought a computer, but I've been chasing this down ever since. Like, the faster you can get to acceptance, the faster you can make steps to rectify stuff. And that's what I try to tell people is like, look, it's not fair, but like, where would that get you? Wishing something yeah. didn't happen is not an active way to resolve it. It's a bit of a tangent for you, Nick. I, I appreciate it. I mean, there's there's a lot that's in that. And I, I think one of the big things that I always look for are the takeaways for people. And something that has been coming into my mind throughout everything you're saying is we as people don't have to have brain surgery to get the point that you're talking about. You, unfortunately, and sort of fortunately, I guess, needed to, to be able to be where you're at so you can be the influence that you are and the inspiration that you are and to be fucking real and honest with it. Uh, one of the things I've enjoyed about you, even watching some of the stuff before you joined the show and just doing some of, of our own research was how honest and real you were. It's not like you're out there rah, rah. You're like, this shit happened. This sucked. But you get through it and you figure it the fuck out. Yeah, it's like I pride myself on being authentic and real. And like I gave a talk at Hootsuite last year and when he goes down, that talk was awesome. It was real punk rock. And I'm like, fuck yeah, man, that's cool because I've really polished the talk a lot. But to hear it's like it's still punk rock is pretty cool because like I'm trying to be raw and honest and just, and just like wear it on my sleeve and be tell you like, hey, man, this is like. Like motivation, for instance, like motivation for me came from a very dark place. Someone telling me I couldn't do something. The way the nurse got me talking again, when she took me down to the park, Nick, and she told me, hey, those kids across the park, Dan, they don't think you're good enough to talk, Dan. They don't think you're good enough to talk. Which is like a bold move on the nurse's part, right? But she had talked yeah. to my family and knew like that would motivate me, right? Yeah. And I yelled across the park like, you motherfucker, like... I found my voice, but like it took that jarring fuck you attitude to get going. And like, that's real, yeah. man. Like, don't think motivation's got to come from this like holistic, helpful place. Like whatever works, ride that wave down. Don't, don't judge the motivation. If it works for you, great. Yeah. Don't try to reinvent how you get motivated. Like harness motivation or ride that wave. I'm now trying to transition motivation to service, helping people. Because when motivation comes from proving you wrong, when I prove you wrong, it's gone like it never existed. When I'm service, like when I'm service and helping you, I your success is my success, and I can sustain that motivation long term. Very actively transitioning my motivation. Now that's a very intentional move on my part, but like, that's the real talk, man. Because like, I don't care how you think it should be, man. This is how it was for me and is now. Yeah. And if you find yourself down a dark hole holistic, like thinking about how it should be, is not going to do much for you when you think about how it is. How it is is not always pretty. It's not always clean and neat. It's raw, dirty, and, and, and provocative. And, and like, that's what works. Like, yeah. don't, don't fuck with what works, man. Like, ride that wave out. And, like, I've got my honesty. I've got my story. I've got my authenticity. Like, that's all I've got. And I can just tell you what I experienced, what I felt. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do is just show you a way through because... Also, I did these brain scans. I'm going a bit off the map here, but like, I'll just go with me here, Nick. I did these brain scans last two months ago at this brain injury clinic in, in, in Vancouver, like top of the range, one of the best. They had some flying from a footballer flying from London, like 
two months ago after an injury to see if they got a concussion. Wasn't able to find the name. I inquired. But they ran these tests and they found that, that my brain was shockingly average, okay? Hmm. No, they didn't say shockingly average, they said average. I say shockingly average because I think like I'm gonna have some outlying things I've recovered so well. There's gotta be some real spikes of like awesomeness in my brain. No, shockingly average. Which is a brain juice survivor, two-time brain juice survivor, that's great. That means like my brain's healed, recovered meditations, building up those neural pathways is great. But it also means that, like, I've been able to see because I've been able to lean into my mindset. I've been able to be nose over toes on my board, riding this wave down, and lean into that full stop. That kind of shows me that, like, look, I'm no better or smarter than anyone here, but I've chosen to go forward and I've chosen to lean into my mindset. Everything I do is leaning on the tippy toes of this board to ride this wave down, and that's working. Which means you can do it too. Which means I'm no better than anyone else here. Like, that's empowering. That's like, that's cool to hear because it means that I'm not gifted or special, but I've chosen to go forwards. And you can too, man. Why can't you? Like, I had to really learn to walk, talk, and smile again. Recover from two traumatic brain injuries. Everything I did was like, because I've leaned into this mindset full stop. I had a ton of help, man. A ton of help. Maybe you don't have that help. That's why I'm giving you this stuff for free on the pocket. Like, I'm just giving it to you because... Why leave these lessons learned on the sidelines of life? They can help you get back to being better than yesterday. I want to help. I want to make sure that you don't have to go through what I went through. Because it was difficult, man. And like, difficult is not even a proper word. Like, it was... Like, I was holding onto the wall. And there was times when I wasn't sure if you hold on any longer. Like, honestly, I wasn't sure I could hold on any longer. And I just kept going and breathing. And like, well, hopefully something clears up. And then eventually a pillow would fall down. And I could fall down and relax and be okay. There's times I'm holding on this wall. I'm not trying to make it through this, like, 100%. Like, I say it's my second crack at things. It's, like, more like fourth or fifth. Hmm. Like, this is real talk, man. And, like, it's not me dramatic, but, like, to tell you what matters when you're flat on the ground, like, counting your next one and, like, what matters to keep to talk of your life, what actually does matter, what actually means the most to you, like, that's what matters to you. And that's what I want to talk to you about and help you shift your perspective, right? Yeah. Managing your mindset through anything that feels uh, distressing or traumatic or disturbing of any sort of way can be difficult, no matter what it is. If it's a brain injury, if it's if you fucking stub your toe as you're walking out of the room at two o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom, and you're like, ah, damn it, I fucking hurt my toe. Like it could be anything, but it's what we do with that at that point. I try to make a joke with that because. I feel like people may listen and go, well, this was a major brain injury and you had brain surgery and maybe the thing I'm dealing with just isn't of the same caliber. But if it resonates in their cells and in their minds in that way, then that's really going to affect how they actually handle things. So why don't you talk to us about how you actually manage your mindset and what you do on the daily to be able to keep that ball moving? So my mindset is very much ingrained in like better than yesterday. Everything I try to do is better than yesterday. Why is it better than yesterday? Nick, I'm so glad you asked that question. I know that if I don't wake up with intentionality, start my day in a certain routine, I'm not as good as I could be. Mm-hmm. And when I'm running it, like the brain I'm like, I'm now at 75%, I'd say like battery wise, probably cognition wise, I'm probably running at 75% of what I was before which is not like a knock on, on me, just like just being real real with you. Like my battery is 75%. I run out of battery quite quickly. I gotta be intentional with how I use my juice. 
If I waste it on periphery shit, why waste it on periphery stuff? Let's focus on what matters here, man. Focus on what matters to you. So wake up with intentionality. Every day I wake up, I'll go for a workout, a walk, a gym, a swim. I'll go for a shower. End the shower cold. Abrasive craziness, I know. And then I'll meditate for 25 minutes. I started with two minutes in the morning and ramped up to 25. Don't start with 25, you'll fail. Yeah. Two minutes one week, four minutes a week afterwards, six minutes a week after that. Gradually ramp yourself up to this. Build up that resilient mindset. Foster resiliency. Then I go for breakfast, then I'm on my routine, my daily basis. Every day I wake up the same boot-up sequence. I start up the same way because I know that if I don't, I'll misstep. And I know that if I do, I'm much better than if I don't. So find a routine and follow that because, look, I tell my story, not, not to be like, look at how great my story is here. But I tell because, like, well, look at how tough it was for me and look at how low I was and look at where I'm at now. So if your story is anywhere in the spectrum of like this story, then why can't you do this as well? Like, there was a few times where you're like, am I going to get through this? I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know if I'd make it through this. I don't know if I could walk in. The doctors told my parents I wouldn't be able to speak. They told my parents that he's not a speaker anymore. His vocals are fried from the tracheotomy. He's the buggered. I'm speaking. Wasn't able to walk for a few months. Like, I'm walking now. Bit of a weird gait, bit of a march sometimes, but like I'm walking, man. I got double vision still from the brain injury. Like I, I can see two of you, Nick. What a pl- what a blessing that is, man. It's difficult, it's arduous, but like it is what it is, man. Go forwards. I'm going forwards every day. And speaking now, like jump starting a speaking career from a dead stop after a, br- a job loss, like it's not easy, man. But it's simple. Yeah. I'm going right here. Just right happens to be straight uphill. But like I'm going into this full steam because like this is what my purpose in life is to do this because I want to share this lesson learned I want to help you share shape perspective and like understand what matters in life because the stuff I really chased when I was younger like stuff that you think matters like is, is not that important and relationships are important you cannot grow new old friends nurture those like family and loved ones are so key that's why I moved back from London because London is great but when I couldn't travel from COVID lockdown London's pretty far away, man. It's a tough time. Connecting over FaceTime and stuff like this is difficult to connect with friends. And I was in London for 10 years, right? I love London. But like when you can't travel twice a year, London's pretty far. London's pretty far away. So that's a rant and a half, but hopefully some insight and perspective there and mindset. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> that's a great point about having your um, daily morning sort of rituals or routines and understanding for each person. I always love to be able to find out what people do in the morning because there are some people I talk to. They're like, I wake up, go to the bathroom and then start my day and they're totally good. But then maybe they have an end of the day routine or some pattern that they go through throughout the course of their day. I am the same way where in the mornings I need to actually go through, spend a little bit of time meditating. I don't meditate as much as I want to. But there's, like you had said, kind of ramping that up. There have been different times where it's been 15, 20, 30 minutes and other times where it's five or two minutes or whatever. Knowing what's important for you to be able to actually manage your mind and feed your mind the right way. Like I have multiple books I'm always reading and I always make sure that I have time in the morning to be able to do that. But it's part of what I do at this point. It's ingrained with what I do. And I always encourage people to be able to do that and find the things that help you actually get your shit together early in the day so you can start to move through the rest of the day. 
Nick, I forgot to mention one thing. When I wake up, I make my bed. That's the first thing I do. That's the first task of the day is making my bed. Yep. There, uh, <laughs> it, it's funny. I, I think about, uh, it was some YouTube video that somebody had sent me years ago with some kernel or something that was talking yeah, yeah. about make your bed. The first thing you do in the morning, you make your bed, you get some sort of win. And, uh, I'm, make my bed all the time. There are times where my girlfriend will kind of bust my chops about it. She's like, we're just going to get the fuck back in it. I'm like, I know. But if I take this moment and just fix up the bed, it's the first thing I get knocked out. Um, it's it's such a keystone habit. I'm like, I can't tell you how much value this gets. Like I've heard so many comments after my talks is like, Dan, I make my bed now because of your talk. I'm like, cool. Like, and like, to think I'm responsible for making your bed is ridiculous because growing up, I never <laughs> made my bed. Never made my yeah. bed at all. I would always have like a messy bed, like whatever. This is important. But it's like a symbol for your life. Like if the bed's in order, yeah. your room's tidy, at least it looks tidy. It can be messy, but the room will look tidy if the bed's made. Like it, it's, it's a keystone habit for you. And one of the best habits I picked up in the brain dream. Hmm. What an interesting thing to think even in that simple way of like growing up, you never made your bed, but now that's something that you're helping others get that win, that first win of the day to be able to do it. So on that note, Dan, What's that one piece of advice that you'd give somebody that's on their path towards self-mastery? Mood follows action. Get into your body. Rich Roll, I stole that from Rich Roll. Hmm. Get into your body, whether it be a walk, a swim, a gym. Get a sweat on and earn it, man. Like, you get one body. Maintain, it's much easier to maintain it than it is to start from a dead stop once you let it go for a few years. Every day I work out, Every day I walk, every day I treat the body like a temple, eat good foods. But the first thing is mood follows action. So get a sweat on every day if you can. That's what I recommend your listeners there, Nick. Great advice. I appreciate that. So before we wrap this up, hey, why don't you tell, uh, tell the audience where they can find you and where they can connect with you and if there's anything else you want to add. Yeah, thanks, Nick. So I'm a speaker. You can find me at queendan.com, M-A-C-Q-U-E-E-N-Dan.com. Speaking internationally, um, online and in person, around the way. Uh, I'm McQueen Dan across all the socials, but McQueenDan.com, and you can find all the information there. That's awesome. Well, man, it's been absolutely awesome to have you. I appreciate you jumping on, talking about everything, and being as real as you are. Thank you so much for your time, Dan. Hey, Nick, I appreciate you. Thank you.